He died on a Friday. He did. Joseph asked Pilate for his body. It happened. Pilate said yes and let him take the body. The body of Jesus was moved to Joseph's tomb. Mary and Mary were watching. On Saturday, the religious leaders held a meeting with Pilate. They knew Jesus had made some outrageous claims. So Pilate made sure that with the backing of the powerful Roman army, a guard would be in place and a stone would block the entrance. The powers that be that weekend had one single goal. Nothing was getting out of that tomb. After the pancake breakfast, the children had opportunities to do crafts, and I saw one of them in my office. One of my kids did it, and it had three things hanging down from this picture, and the line was, a lot can happen in three days, and it did. You're here today, and I'm here today because Pilate's plan failed. Jesus is alive. He is risen. And because of that moment, as we'll see this morning in our text, Jesus gives his people victory over fear and death. Do you want that? Victory over fear and death. If that is in an Easter basket somewhere, go find it. I don't think you'll find it, but if you find Jesus Christ, you will have victory over fear and death. So today, as we smell the maple syrup left over from our pancake breakfast, please open in your Bibles with me to Matthew 28. I'm going to read the first 10 verses. That's our text this morning. If you don't have access to a Bible, we have giveaway Bibles in the foyer, and we also have this text reprinted on the back of that bulletin. We're going to hear how Jesus puts an end to fear and death. And before I read Matthew 28, 1 through 10, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Blessed be your name, O Lord. You are mighty. You are holy. You are lovely. You are gracious. You are merciful. And death is no challenge to you. You raised your son Jesus from the tomb, and you've sent your Holy Spirit to us, your people. So we have now among us the power of the resurrection. And we gather on the Lord's Day, today particularly as it's Easter Sunday, and now we're opening your word. We've sung songs, we've heard prayers, we've heard your word read, but now, Lord, do for our hearts what we desperately need you to do. For the hearts that need peace, give peace. For the hearts that need hope, give hope. For the hearts that need correction, Give correction. And for the hearts that are desperately thirsty for anything good, will you pour out your overflowing living water into thirsty mouths and hearts? Thank you that you're going to do great and mighty things in our midst. You've already done it, you will do it. Help us receive your word from you as the beautiful gift it is this Resurrection Sunday. Give us eyes to see you now. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read 
the first 10 verses, and this is not based on a true story. It really happened. Matthew 28, now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Do not be afraid. Jesus says that. Fear has fled. Death has died. This is the news of the resurrection of Jesus. In our text, we have six things that are happening. I mean, the world is changing. Everything is changing. But six things are happening. The first thing we see is that we have mourning women. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Sad mourning women. And that's in verse One. Let's take a look at that first. Morning women, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. This is a funeral. Jesus died on Friday, but his burial was complicated, and so Mary and Mary and the other women who were with them are in mourning. They're sad. This is a funeral, and funerals are always sad. Even if you know the person had eternal life, Even if your loved one's great suffering has come to an end, funerals are always sad. We try to cover this up, and sometimes we call funerals a celebration of life service. And we all understand the instinct to do that. But they usually only happen after someone dies. Wouldn't it be nice if we celebrated your life today, or this Wednesday, or Maybe this Friday. In fact, uh, someone in my family's birthday is Friday, so we're going to have a celebration of his life while he's still around. But this was a funeral. Funerals always involve sadness. And on the first Easter, they didn't start out with pancakes and sausage. They started out with a funeral. Mary and the other Mary and the other women are mourning. They're sad. They're going to the tomb of Jesus, and they're not expecting what they would find. They expected a dead body in the tomb. In the Gospel of Mark, we learn that they bought spices to cover up the smell. And someone said in a commentary, I thought it was really funny, they weren't buying spices just in case he was still dead. They fully expected the dead body of Jesus 
to be in the tomb. On the first Easter, they were expecting the experience of death, the smell of death. That's why they needed the spices. The sight of death, the sounds of death in the quiet of a graveyard, and the loneliness of death, having no chance to talk to their loved one again. And they were right to expect that because Jesus really lived and Jesus really died on a cross on Good Friday. And people just don't escape Roman crucifixion. You don't survive those. There's no debate among historians about the truth of Jesus' life or the truth of his death under Pontius Pilate. Obviously, people deny that he rose from the dead. But you're here today because the whole world changed that first Resurrection Sunday. You're here today because instead of a funeral and instead of death, Mary and Mary found something world-changing. Mary and Mary found something that was going to change funerals forever. The fleeing of fear and the death of death. So first, we have these mourning women But the second thing we notice is a rolling stone. Second, a rolling stone. Look at verses 2 and 3. Verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. When you picture Easter, you see the imagery of Easter. If you look for Easter imagery online, you'll see Bunnies and eggs and chocolate, all good things. But when you start to get religious, you see an empty tomb. That's the image that comes to mind, the stone having been rolled away. And when that happened, there was an earthquake, but not a natural one. This earthquake was caused by the angel. You see verse 2, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. So an angel comes down from heaven and moves the stone away from the tomb. But for an angel, that's nothing. The angel moves it out of the way and sits on it. Because God has more power over that stone than the stone had over Jesus. The stone was rolled away. In this text, we have an earthquake and we have an angel. So we know that the earth could tell that something was happening. The earth was shaking. And a messenger from heaven came down to tell everyone what was going on. So the earth is shaking. The earth knows what's happening. And heaven is sending a messenger. Heaven knows what is happening. This moment was the biggest moment in human history because a lot of people died on a cross. And a lot of religious leaders and famous teachers died. But Jesus didn't just die. And he wasn't just a great religious teacher. He was raised from the dead on the third day. And so heaven has to send a messenger because the news is that good. The news would be that hard to believe. If I told you that I died on Tuesday of this week, you would have some questions for me, wouldn't you? It doesn't happen, except it did. Think about movies and books about dead people coming back to life. If you've ever seen one or watched one or or read one, When someone is back from the dead, nobody goes up to the person and says, oh, hey, how's it going? How have you been? They're terrified. 
So the women are in mourning, they're sad, but there's also the earth shaking, an angel moving a stone, he looks like lightning and snow. This is a terrifying scene. There's fear and there's terror. And the people who don't trust Jesus leave the day in fear. The people who don't trust Jesus go to bed that night in fear, which is point three, the trembling guards, the trembling guards. We have mourning women, a rolling stone, third, trembling guards. Look at verse four. With all this going on, verse four, and for fear of him, the angel, the guards trembled and became like dead men. If you like uh, poetry, if you like poetic justice in stories or movies, you'll love this verse. Think about what's going on in verse 4. For fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Think about the Roman guards there. The Roman guards and their team had killed Jesus on Friday night, and they were guarding his dead body on Sunday morning. But Jesus wasn't dead anymore. So the guards were guarding an empty tomb, thinking they were guarding a dead body. And while the guards who killed Jesus thought they were guarding a dead body, they become like dead men. They thought they had killed him. They thought he was still dead, but they become like dead men. They're terrified. The earth is trembling and now the guards are trembling. Think about Roman guards for a minute. These Roman guards were part of the most powerful army in the world at that time. When Roman guards walked through town, everybody else trembled, especially if they were coming after you. But now the Roman guards who brought trembling fear into the hearts of so many citizens, now they were trembling. The poetic beauty is hard to miss. And here we see a reversal of power. Because the Roman world at the time, through the Pax Romana, said, we will give you peace if you give us allegiance. If you worship Caesar, if you give us your money, we will give you power. We will give you life. The government said, we will solve all of your problems. We have power over life and death. And so they could hang people on crosses because they said to the world, your life is in our hands. But now that these soldiers who are like dead men are guarding a body that is no longer dead, we see the great reversal of power on that first Easter because Jesus Christ really does have power over life and death. That's what happened. Who has the power? The Roman government? No, they went to bed afraid. Jesus was alive because Jesus has the power over life and death. So that's the third thing we see. The trembling guards. Fourth, a speaking angel. A speaking angel. Look at verses 5 through 7 again. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. The angel didn't say that to the guards. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen and has, as he said. And I love the next part uh, because the angel knows what's going on in the human heart. He knows what these women are going through. They've lost a friend, a loved one, and and they're experiencing all these emotions, being told that he's alive. What's going on? The angel knows that the women are thinking, this is incredible. It's too good to be true. You're in a church here that believes that Jesus really was raised from the dead and gives his people power over death. 
And maybe you think it's too good to be true. The angel knew the women were thinking that. So the angel says, look at the end of verse 6, come, see the place where he lay. The angel says, check it out. The angel says, go inspect it for yourself. Pull a, a CSI empty tomb on this thing. Look, he's not dead anymore. He's alive. But for the hearts that are wavering, for the hearts that have a hard time trusting this news, God knows and comforts the women through the words of the angel. Do not be afraid and come check it out for yourself. And then once you've seen the risen Savior, and if you have, you know, this is so joyful. That's why we have so many songs and we sing so much praise and we celebrate with the pancakes. What do we do after we trust Jesus? He takes the fear of death away. And then verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And that last line isn't a, I told you so. Or, what did I tell you? Here's what the angel is saying to the women. In light of the resurrection of Jesus. And maybe if your heart is doubting today, this is what the angel is saying to you. This is what God is saying to you. You can trust God. That's the message. You can trust God with your life and your death. You can trust God no matter what you're going through. You can trust God if you're trembling in fear this week. You can trust God if you're facing an impossible situation this week. You can trust God even if you would tell your friends, I doubt it, I doubt the whole thing. The angel says to the women, you can trust God because the tomb really was empty. Maybe your heart needs to hear that this morning. Maybe the only thing you'll remember this morning is I can trust God. He promised to send his son. He did, and he raised his son from the grave, and the tomb is empty. You can trust God even when it comes to the hardest thing to face, which is our own death. And so far, the story's going exactly the way God promised, and Easter is proof that we can trust God. So the angel says, don't be afraid. You can trust him. Well, fifth, we have the man of the hour, a risen Savior. A risen Savior. That's point five. It's verses eight through ten. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. The fear is still there. With fear and great joy. And ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So the angel said, Jesus is alive. Don't be afraid. Check it out for yourself. And then the women go, and they find Jesus, and he says, greetings. Don't be afraid. And when they, having heard that Jesus was alive, finally meet him, the risen Savior, for themselves, the fear is gone. And what did they just have? With fear and great joy. Everyone had fear that day. The Romans went to bed with fear that night. But the women had fear and great joy until they met Jesus. And Jesus takes away the fear. And so all they had left was great joy. 
They had fear and great joy because this world is full of pain and loss and suffering and death and trials and failures. But Jesus was victorious over sin and Satan and death. And he takes that fear away. So all they are left with is great joy. This is what Jesus does to his people. When we are afraid, Jesus shows up. Verse 9, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. So what are you afraid of? Some of you are afraid of taxes because they're due this week. Or in a week, I don't know. Falls on a weekend, so you get bonus days. Some of you are afraid of death. Some of you are afraid of suffering. I doubt any of you are afraid of the Roman government. Some of you might be afraid of some governments. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Be honest in your heart right now. What are you afraid of? Because in a minute, I'm going to ask you what you're doing about that. What are you most afraid of right now? Jesus is the only answer to that fear. Nothing else takes fear away, but Jesus does. Look at verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So the women have their fear taken away. All they have is great joy. And then they're sent on the mission of all of God's people to go into the world, this afraid, scared world, trying to solve their fear with all manner of pleasures and distractions. And we're supposed to go and point them to Jesus too. So they, like the disciples hearing from the women, can find Jesus themselves and have their fear taken away. Don't be afraid. Go tell the story that the tomb is empty. Jesus takes their fear away and then he sends us into this afraid world. There's so much fear in this world, isn't there? I think a lot of the anger and hatred and judgment is really stemming from a fear. There is such fear in this world. But Jesus offers life to a dead world. He takes our fear away and he sends us into that world to tell them that Jesus is the only thing that can take fear away. So I would encourage you to take your fear today to Jesus. A great way to celebrate Easter is by being honest with Jesus about your fears. Because otherwise, where are you going to go? Let's be honest. When you're afraid, where do you go? How do you try and cover that up? Some people go shopping. Have you ever gone shopping enough online or in the stores? They still have stores because everyone shops online. Have you ever bought enough things where you said, now I have no more fear? Is there two-day shipping on fearlessness? Because that would be awesome. Put it in my inbox. Put it in my basket. Some of you go to pleasure to drown out the fear. Some of you go to entertainment to distract your mind from the thing you're afraid of. Well, I'm afraid of this and it's not going away, so I will just watch this until I pass out because then I don't have to think about my fear. Some people go to the Phillies. Another distraction, wasn't looking good until the ninth inning yesterday. Some people go to exercise. Does that take the fear away? How many of you go to a boa constrictor when you're afraid? Anybody? Is anybody? I don't see any hands. That's good. I was going to say, hopefully you didn't bring it with you. Back in December, the TSA officials reported that they spotted a four-foot-long boa constrictor 
coiled in a woman's carry-on luggage during a baggage scan. You can see the picture online. I'm not making this up. When confronted, the woman said that the snake, named Bartholomew, was her emotional support animal. And they did not let her bring it on the plane. Or else everyone else would have had fear. Everyone else would have needed an emotional support animal. I mean, look at what people are doing to face fear. Pleasure, power, money, hard work, raises, moving up in this world. Praise, tell me how great I am. Where do you go to take the fear away? There's only one man, Jesus Christ. He can take your fear away. And he was alive and he is still alive. He's praying for you right now. He's interceding for us right now that our hearts would be shaped and molded and encouraged and that we would be able to rejoice today on Easter because of the news that he is alive. That's point five. We have a risen Savior. Well, sixth and finally, what do we have? We have mourning women, a rolling stone, trembling guards, a speaking angel, and a risen Savior all to put an end to fear and death. That's what happened on Easter, the first Easter. Jesus put an end to fear and death. When the angel rolled the stone away, it wasn't so that Jesus could get out because he was already gone. Death had lost a body. Death and fear always go together. And people fear death higher than almost any other fear. Public speaking, death, and a few other things. And so people try to cover up their fear, their fear of death, with trying to live eternal life, trying to have the perfect retirement, trying to have the perfect health, trying to have everything work out to avoid all suffering in this life. But one day, we all die. They say the only two certainties in life are death and taxes. Taxes are due in the week. But you can't avoid paying for death. You can't avoid paying for sins. In life, there's only two steps. You live your life and then eventually one day you will die. You could try and go your whole life without paying your taxes, but we all will pay the wages of sin, which is death. The earth didn't start trembling in Matthew 28 when the angel descended. The earth started trembling when our first parents sinned, Adam and Eve. They chose death over life. They chose to be king and queen of the world instead of letting their Lord be king. And they passed that on to their descendants. And so we are born into sin and the earth is trembling. But Easter changed that because someone made it to the other side of death. Someone defeated death. That's why the earth trembled. Jesus on Easter held a funeral for funerals. There will be a day when there will be no more funerals, but there will still be life. Tombs will be empty, never to be filled again. Of course, an angel was going to have to deliver that news. So there was still some fear. Look at verse 8 one more time. They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And yet when they came to Jesus, he said, do not be afraid because he takes our fear away. And the reason he can take our fear away is because he's taken death away. 
Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. You are born again. You have eternal life. And when you die, it isn't the end of your life. You go to be with the Lord until the final day when the new heavens and the new earth are here and we live forever forwards for thousands and millions and billions of years in a world without suffering and without anything you need to be afraid of. He gives that to us. That's how he takes away fear. It's because he took away the sting of death. And so instead of having fear and great joy, when we come to Jesus Christ, and if you come to Jesus Christ today for the first time, he promises that he'll take your fear away. He promises to give you everlasting life. He promises you that when you lay your head down tonight, the fears in your life will start to fade away in his presence because he's alive and he defeated death. But as we have been following Jesus Christ as a church here, we have to learn that following Jesus means that we need to die to ourselves. Not a physical death, but a spiritual one. We trust our lives to Jesus. We obey his word and we love him and we worship him on the Lord's day. And then we need to die to ourselves and shout to the world's soundtrack, which says, live for yourself. We shout back, no, I will live for Christ. He gave his life for me. I will pick up my cross and follow him. In one sense, the resurrection is not just the end of death, but it is the beginning of death for God's people. As we follow Jesus, we die to our old selves and we follow Jesus. It says in Colossians 3, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So that's the Easter offer. You can have your life now. You can be your own savior. But one day you'll face death. And how are you going to get through it? And every day you'll be afraid. And what are you going to do with those fears? That's the offer. You can have that life or you can believe in Jesus. He really lived, he really died, and he was really raised from the dead because death could not kill him. Sin could not end him. Satan could not overwhelm him. The world used every weapon against Jesus, including Roman execution, and yet his tomb is still empty. So today we celebrate the end of fear and the end of death. Jesus offers his life for you to take away your fear and to give you life after death. And this news changes our lives. And more importantly than that, it changes our funerals. Because the first Easter was the funeral of funerals. Often at a funeral, I'm standing right around here and the family will come in and sit down. And if the person deceased was a believer in Jesus Christ, this is the first thing I say. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That was made possible 2,000 years ago on the first Easter. It's all true. The women had fear and great joy. And then they found Jesus. And the fear was gone. So all they had left was great joy. Made possible 
Because, brothers and sisters in Christ, he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let me pray. Lord, we can still smell the maple syrup and the sausage from those pancakes. And we feasted this morning, Lord. You gave us a great, bountiful feast. But we weren't celebrating a birthday. We were celebrating the death of death. You raised your son Jesus from the tomb and you promise that everyone who calls on his name will be saved. You promise to silence our fears. Lord, will you do that in our hearts and minds today as we celebrate Easter with our loved ones? As we go out our separate ways, will you silence all of our fears in the face of our Savior, Jesus Christ? Give us hope and joy and peace and help us know that fear and death have been defeated by your son. Help us remember the empty tomb and rejoice that because your son is alive, we too will have empty tombs one day. You've given us new life. Help us receive today and this news as a gift. And Lord, send us out to wherever we're going with the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that is afraid Give us the praise of Jesus on our lips to tell our friends and loved ones that someone can take away their fear and someone has solved the problem of death. Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Help us worship him well today and give us great joy. In Christ's name we ask, amen. One day Jesus is coming.